This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Thursday, 11 January in the year of our Lord, 2024. Um, very special guest now, the finest political reporter in Washington, D.C., in the nation's capital. And somebody has been at, a lo- at, at it for a long time, uh, Matt Boyle, uh, the senior, uh, I guess, editor, national political editor of Breitbart, uh, and has just done an incredible, I guess, a two or three hour with Alex Marlowe interview of President Trump for print. He's been rolling out, I think it's six or seven stories. Now, we're, we're bundling them all together so that you can read it. We're going to go through that. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Matt, I want to start, though, at the beginning, some of your background. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're the only person to be directly mentored by Tucker Carlson when he came out of the box, then Andrew Breitbart, and then yours truly, Stephen K. Bannon. Is that, is that the fact you're the only living uh, individual that had mentorship I, directly uh, by those three guys? I think that is correct, Steve. I don't know. I can't think of another person that that, that is the case with. Uh, uh, my first job out of college, I was a reporter for Daily Caller. So I worked you know, very closely with Tucker Carlson, learned a lot from him. Uh, I had gotten to know Andrew Breitbart very well uh, during that time and worked with him on a whole ton of different stories. I didn't actually work for Breitbart until after Andrew had passed away. Uh, and then obviously you were our executive chairman uh, uh, after that had happened. And uh, uh, you convinced me to come over and work for Breitbart uh, after the 2012 election. Uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget the conversation. You told me, uh, you know, after Mitt Romney had lost, uh, you know, an election that he should have won, uh, he should have beat Barack Obama. It was an embarrassment. Uh, you were like, we can never let this happen again in our country. Let's go save the country. And uh I was like, all right, let's do it. So, uh, and then I've been at Breitbart ever since. So I've been at Breitbart for a little over 11 years now. So yeah, I think I'm the only person that worked for, uh, worked with and for all three of you guys. Matt, you saw something and you came and I think you had gone to American University. I think you'd gotten a fight over there with some of the faculty or remember you, you, it was pretty contentious. But when you came to D.C., and I think the power of your reporting, because I would say you're the first reporter of any significance to understand this kind of populist nationalist movement. Things are happening at the border. Things are happening with China. Things are happening with manufacturing. How the elites from the Romney campaign, but you saw it early on. Walk, walk us through that journey. Walk us through, because I don't know if you came predisposed. I know your parents are, are hardworking conservatives, but you were more, I think, in a traditional as many people are, this kind of traditional mindset, which is really a neoliberal, neocon mindset. But you came here and saw something quite different. It's one of the reasons that you were, I think, the first person of any significance on to President Trump and what was happening. Walk us through that journey. 
Yeah, look, so when I graduated my undergrad degree in 2010, it was the height of the Tea Party movement. I was originally moving to Washington, D.C. for a master's degree uh, program uh, at American University. Uh, It's amazing to watch all this happening right now with all the colleges and universities is in the uh, going to the hard left and all the political discrimination we see against conservatives and like the Charlie Kirk groups and the the uh, turning point folks on campuses around the country because I kind of went through it before any of that ever existed right like so when I got showed up at American University uh, I'd been freelancing for Daily Caller uh, uh, again t- for Tucker Carlson's publication I was writing some you know, uh, stuff about the oil spill in Florida and like covering a couple of Tea Party rallies and some campaigns and stuff. Nothing significant on my way there. Uh, And then I joined the staff part time at first while I was still at American University. And I had all these lefty professors that were giving us assignments like America is Islamophobic. Explain why. And I was like, well, I disagree with you. Right. Like I was like, (laughs) I don't think so. Right. Like they wanted us to go to Michelle Obama's vegetable garden at the White House and do a bunch of puff pieces. So I started digging into uh, the fact that Bill Clinton, uh, when he was the president, uh, put all sorts of lead chemicals in the soil. And apparently the first family, Michelle Obama, despite all this press she got for the for the vegetable garden, didn't even eat the vegetables. They literally canceled the entire school trip because I was asking some tough questions. Uh, and I refused to back down from asking the then White House chef, Sam Cass, who uh, is still apparently in the Obama orbit, uh, uh, and you know followed him up to Apparently he was there at Martha's Vineyard and stuff. Uh, I was going to ask him a question. Does the first family eat these vegetables that come out of this garden that has lead poisoning in it? So uh, apparently they donate them to the homeless shelter down the street. They don't actually eat what they were doing. But anyway, the point is that there were all these lefty things that they were doing. So I got into major fights with the university and I ended up, uh, Tucker Carlson convinced me to leave the master's degree program. I did in the middle of the master's degree program, which would have been unthinkable, right? Like the people around and the rest of my class, they all work at places like CNN and the Washington Post and USA Today and all sorts of places like that. Uh, It would have been unthinkable for your career path. But I decided, I was like, you know what? These people are all wrong. I'm going to go the other way. And I, I went and worked for Daily Caller for the next two and a half years uh, before I ended up coming over here to uh, to Breitbart uh, and uh, uh, broke a whole ton of stories, right? Like, And then that kind of laid the groundwork for, then we started seeing what the establishment Republicans were screwing up on. One of the big storylines uh, that I did right when I first started at Breitbart was, of course, with John Boehner. John Boehner was the then Speaker of the House, and he was uh, failing on all of the things that Republicans had promised voters for a long time. I think I was the first person to ever write about a motion to vacate. Now it's like a household word, right? Like everybody knows what a motion to vacate is, right? Like, But I think I was the first person to ever figure out what a motion to vacate is. Uh, and, and we were on that story with Boehner for years and years, right? It was three three serious attempts at him. And the third one, they finally got him uh, when Mark Meadows did the motion to vacate in 2015. But, but people had no idea what that word was until uh, Mark Meadows did it and we were covering it. Now it's like a thing, right? Like, so, um, uh, so we were tracking all these stories and kind of being ahead of the curve on all of this stuff. And the big overarching theme was there's all these regular people out there around the country, uh, folks, you know, like my my folks, like like regular people out there all around America who don't have a voice uh, in the political process in Washington. And the biggest, uh, uh, I guess, middle finger to the political class in Washington was when this guy Donald Trump came along 
in 2016 and started running for president. I first got to know President Trump in like 2013, 2014. So it's been about a little over 10 years uh, that I've known the president. Uh, and uh, so we were regularly talking over the course of the all of this time. We would do uh, interviews and all sorts of stuff about the issues. And he would speak out. And uh, uh, the, the, I, I think his election in 2016 was very much a middle finger from the regular guy to Washington, D.C., uh, out of frustration, out of, you know, severe frustration. The regular folks know they're not being heard on issues like immigration, like trade policy, uh, uh, like health care, everything. Right. Like they were they didn't have a seat at the table. That's what this is all about. Everything is all about power and control. Who's in power? Who's in control? Who makes the decisions? And is this government actually elected uh, a, a representative of the people? And for years and years and years, we've seen it wasn't. And I think that the election of Trump in 2016 was a huge course correction from the working class around the country. Uh, and then what we saw in 2020 was the elites and the uh, the uh, the powerful the globalist class, et cetera, uh, grab power back in the 2020 election. And now the fight this year is about will the working class, the regular guy, retake that power that they first had a taste of in 2016. Hang on. We're, we're going to get into your reporting. This this six or seven stories you've broken out of the interview are amazing. I want to get to that. But I got to go back. There wouldn't have been a Trump presidency coming out of that first debate if uh quite frankly right because fox news and megan kelly decided uh, this is uh the murdochs decided they were going to take down trump at the very beginning of that first debate let's let's hear from megan kelly they did pbs later did a one-hour special on this let's hear from megan kelly i'll bring matt ball back in trump had a powerful ally in the attack on kelly the right-wing website breitbart and its leader steve bannon Fox has chosen a side. It's so evident in that debate that they're there to kneecap Donald Trump, okay? They're there to take him out. And that's when we go, okay, we run 20 stories on Megyn Kelly. I get Tony Lee and Matt Boyle, my two hammers. They go right after Megyn Kelly. We're gonna Linsky her, right? We're gonna cut her out from the, call her out from the herd and just hit her nonstop. That's when all war broke out. That's when it, that's when Breitbart, that's when you had to choose sides. In taking on Fox, Bannon and Trump were inciting the kind of conflict Breitbart readers thrived on. She is a low-life Everyone's We need to chop her off at the knees. Do not. If you look at the comments section, these things are getting 10 and 15,000, 20,000 comments. Megan's a type for a quickie in the men's. The whole Trump, all the Pepe's, all these Trump guys were pounding in here. Kelly needs to be put in her place fast and hard. By all it was us. scary at times. And Breitbart kept lighting the fire over and over. And, you know, I had and have three young kids, really young kids, and the security threats were escalating. Uh, and we were doing everything in our power to convey to them that they needed to stop. It was a, it was one debate question, just one debate question. And he handled it fine. You know, he did. So get off of it. And they couldn't have cared less. Two hammers, Tony Lee and Matt Boyle. Matt, uh, that was a moment of uh, that's called a defining moment. You remember yeah, look, it well. I mean, you guys were magnificent. Go ahead and tell us what happened. 
Yeah, well, look, I'll never forget. I think the big story that I did was how uh, I think it was in August 2015. The headline was something like uh, Donald Trump has already won the asymmetric war with Megyn Kelly. I'll never forget writing that piece. I I stayed up, I think, for 38 hours straight or something working on it. Right. Like writing, (laughs) writing it, writing it again and, you know, getting into the, 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 the details of like the strategic battle back and forth between them. It's interesting because, you know, it's funny. You see Megyn Kelly now that she's not working at Fox. She actually kind of, uh, a little bit different. I mean, I don't know if you saw her tweet last night after what happened uh, with the the two. Uh, you know, you had Trump doing the Fox town hall, and you had uh, uh, the the other two knuckleheads, DeSantis and 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 Haley, over on the uh, uh, CNN debate. Uh, you know, and the she was saying, I think, like uh, you know, Trump. There's a reason why Trump's going to win. She 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 seems to get it now. But the point is that uh, so at least good for her. But the point is is that. Um, uh, she was a weapon of Rupert Murdoch and the globalist establishment at Fox News. And the, that globalist class, uh, you know, they use the regular guy. They use the regular person out there. The Fox News uh, uh, is, is one of their tools that they they use to manipulate people. Um, Fox is maybe one of the worst of the establishment media outlets uh, because what they do is they – they are their audience is conservative voters around the country, and they're manipulating people uh, into backing these establishment Republican candidates. And they couldn't let uh, you know this uh, uh, this guy they couldn't control, Donald Trump, win the Republican nomination in twenty. 20- 16. And, and and by the way, you see them trying to do it again this whole election right now. They've been trying to prop up. First, they tried DeSantis. Now they're trying Haley. Right. Like they're doing everything they can. Fox News is all in uh, at the direction of the Murdoch family uh, to try to stop Donald Trump again because because of what Donald Trump represents. He represents the the average guy. The, the regular Joe having a seat at the table. That's, again, what this is all about. Everything for the last decade plus has all about been about getting the regular Joe back in the room, back at the table. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break. Matt Boyle, the national political editor at Breitbart, the finest political reporter in his generation, and he's got a decade of hard-hitting stories uh, to back that up. The receipts are pretty uh, pretty voluminous. Uh, when we come back, we're going to ask Matt his assessment of last night uh, going forward. But we want to, dry, uh, to drill down into he had a two or three hour interview with Alex Mar- Marlowe, the uh, editor over at Breitbart. And they've now, I think, released seven or eight stories. They're just incredible. We're going to go through all of it. Short commercial break. Back with, back with Matt Boyle in just a moment. Because we're taking down the CCP. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be a tumultuous year like no other. How will your hard-earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store. The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now, you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text 
Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. And Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at 989898. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. You know, Matt, I, I would agree with you on Megan Kelly, except I got to go back because last night I think it's just she's capitul it's capitulation. I got to go back to the interview she just did with President Trump, and this shows you the difference of how Boyle goes about things. And people like Megan Kelly's a wise guy; she'll always be a wise guy. She tried to trap President Trump. You know, they gave her an interview after a couple of years. You know, she's begging for it for a show, and um, and and she as soon as she she asks a couple of nice questions, then she's going to ask you. I got you. And that's just a way to put President Trump on. on, Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. It's so obvious. But this is I want people to understand this. The reason and I think you're up to almost 10 articles about your interview is your style. And I've seen this on the thing, 10 or 11. But you go in and ask substantive questions of the president and he gives you thoughtful, substantive answers, and it makes for completely compelling reading. Walk me through yeah. how you prep for Trump, because you're, you're the last thing from a sycophant. People are got to know something. Ball's not only one of the smartest guys, he's one of the toughest guys I've ever met. And this is why when I ran Breitbart, I depended so much on Matt and actually promoting to national political editor, given his knowledge, but also his fight and determination. When he says in the middle of that Megan Kelly, and it really wasn't Megan Kelly. It was really we're going after the Murdochs because Ailes didn't even want to do this. Ailes was directed by the Murdochs to do that. Uh, they tried to take out Trump in the first debate. Matt stayed up, and Matt, it was about you know thirty eight. It was three or four days you stayed up nonstop to write yeah. this definitive piece. But that's the kind of guy you are. Walk us through how you prep for going in and actually talking to the president and having these kind of conversations where we can get ten articles out of it. Each one's not just illuminating, but each one goes viral because you've gotten to the point, you've gotten to the heart of a certain topic that you're addressing with him. Yeah. So look, what I'll do when I'm, when I have it on the schedule. So usually I know a couple weeks or so in advance that I'm going to be doing an interview on a certain day with, with president Trump. Uh, and so what I'll do is I'll call a lot of people that I trust and I will, uh, ask them, uh, you know, what do you want to learn about? The, uh, you know, and I'll kind of solicit input from uh, folks that work here at Breitbart, but also uh, around the movement uh, and, you know, other media outlets, uh, uh, you know, different politicians, etc. Uh, and I'll try to put together a list of the best things. I don't pre-write out questions uh, in advance. What I'll do is I, I go in with a notepad and it's basically a chicken scratch of uh, topics, right? Like, so I've got like bullet points going in. I want to hit this topic. I want to hit this topic. Uh, you know, and at the top are the the major topics that I really want to go into with him. Uh, one of the things about interviewing Trump, and I've probably interviewed Trump more than any other reporter 
out there. Uh, maybe Maggie Haberman and Sean Hannity are like close to where I'm at with it, right? Like in terms of the number of times I've interviewed them. Uh, and I've done interviews with them that have been broadcast, like a video interview I did with them this summer, like on camera. I've done radio interviews, but the best ones I think are the print interviews. And the reason why uh, is because uh, he's a little bit more comfortable when the camera's not rolling and he knows that the audio isn't going to get broadcast or whatever. Uh, and and so what you can do is you can really drill down on an issue. Uh, so you can follow up on a certain thing, right? Like, so when you're, ta- you're going down a line of questioning, you're really zoning in on. So, you know, he's got what he wants to say. And then there's like a theme that um, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to uh, really zone in on, uh, or a, a broader narrative, right? So like good examples of that are, are, uh, you know, the, the international populist story that we talked about, right? Like we got off on a little tangent about Javier Malay and he talks about, uh, you know, um, how Malay called him on election night, uh, in Argentina and thanked him, even though he had never spoken to Malay before. And he's like, why are you thanking me? And like, he says that, uh, Malay thanked him because, uh, he said that he won because of Trump's policies. And, uh, so then Trump, uh, turns to one of his aides in the room and goes, can you send him a bunch of MAGA hats? Right? Like the joke being that, uh, you know, make Argentina great again, just like make America great again. MAGA works for, uh, for both. Uh, but the point is that, um, I, uh, you know, then we start following up again. Okay. But Mr. President, uh, you know, just like in the lead up to 2016, uh, you had Brexit, you had other international populist victories. It seems like it's bigger this time, right? Like, you know, there's, there's signs of, uh, conservative populists possibly going to win in Portugal next year, uh, uh, in the European parliament elections, Austria later in the year, uh, you know, and then, then he starts talking about how it's a bigger movement. And then you can really follow up on it in a way that you really can't for a broadcast interview, right? Like, so, um, the, uh, and then it turns into some of the better stories. And I, and I think the president understands that too. We actually talked about that at the very end. He even says that, uh, he likes doing this kind of a, uh, style better uh, as well because he can go more in depth and we can flesh stuff out a little bit more. Uh, so uh, you know, another good example is how we played out the the Jack Smith interview, right? He's got what he wants to say about Jack Smith and about immunity and so on and so forth. But the real question that I was kind of trying to get at with him on that, uh, as the battle is playing out between Trump and Smith uh, for this year, is who's winning? Right. Like who's winning the war? And, and and it took me a few questions to get to that headline of, uh, I you know, where Trump says that he thinks that Smith is losing. And because we're asking about this filing and that filing and, you know, this the, this detail and that detail and this move and that move, it's moves and counter moves between the two of them on uh, Trump's legal team and the Smith legal team. But to really drill down on is who's really winning this fight. And Smith is losing, right? Like these cases might not actually even go to trial before the election uh, because of the various things, the setbacks that uh, Smith has faced at the end of last year and beginning of this year. And we're seeing that stuff play out now. And several of those things may go to the U.S. Supreme Court. But again, it takes sometimes maybe a little bit more digging into it uh, to nail that, that stuff down with them. Um, and I think that uh, this this format works really well. So I'm hopeful that we'll do it again. And I think that we will um, over the course of this year. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more. Uh, well, and, well uh, he definitely uh, he definitely should do it because the, the, a bunch of the stories have gone viral already. How do you uh, talk to the audience about how 
one of my issues with some of the interviews he does, the people just ask the same questions over and over again. And it's like, you know, from today's news. and stuff. How do you form? Because I could go through of these 10, and this is why I want Grace and Moe. I know we bundled them, but it need everybody to read all of these stories from Matt Boyle uh, because they give you, I think, a unique inside look of how President Trump thinks. Uh, like, for instance, the blue states, him him getting aggressive in the blue states and having the, having the rally at Madison Square Garden, people's heads blew up. Your discussion of the Federal Reserve, which Paul Krugman immediately afterwards did a column, hey, Trump's coming after the Fed. How do you, how do you think these things up that don't, don't turn out to be the standard questions President Trump's? I realize other people don't know him like you do, haven't interviewed him, are very nervous. Sometimes it's live. And so they just fall back on asking the same road questions they all, you know, people always ask. But how do you work through the topics that you know yes. are going to engage his uh, attention and come up with these brilliant things that pop out of nowhere? Like, hey, I think I'm going to have a big rally in Madison Square Garden. Well, by the way, so that's a really good example of one that I didn't plan for Trump to be talking about competing in New York, New Jersey, Minnesota, New Mexico, Virginia, going into this interview, right? Like he brought that one up on his own, right? Like, and he, and he said, he's, he kind of brought it up as an aside, he, you know, in the middle of a conversation when you're interviewing Trump and it's not on camera, it's very much a two way street conversation, right? Like you're, you're asking him questions. He's asking you questions back. It's one of the most underrated qualities of President Trump, I think, uh, that people don't see out there and it doesn't get through in the media. He's the best listener uh, that 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 uh, I think in American politics. I Again, I always tell people I've interviewed governors, senators, world leaders. I, I, you know, I, I've done uh, uh, international stories. I, I've done so many stories over the years. I've interviewed so many people. It's not even funny. Presidents, vice presidents, cabinet officials, so on and so forth. I, I've never once had the interviewer, except for with Trump, ask questions back at me. And Trump does it with everybody that he's talking to if it isn't like a broadcast interview. And the, um, the when he brought up during our conversation about the blue states, it was kind of an aside. And then when he did it, then, you know, I know it's not on my list of, uh, you know, that I have in front of me, my notepad. But I, I'm like, OK, wait, wait, wait. You're saying you're going to make a heavy play for these states. What do you mean by that? Right. Like, what are some of the things that you're going to do? And that's when he says he's going to possibly rent out Madison Square Garden and do a rally there. And then we talk a little bit about New York and he, he, he walks through how the left has really destroyed New York, right? Like, uh, you know, we hadn't had, uh, you know, we had obviously Mayor Giuliani in the 90s, uh, uh, in early 2000s, but the, the um, you know, then you had Bloomberg and he wasn't that bad as a mayor. I mean, he was, yeah, he was Bloomberg, but whatever. Uh, but then you had uh, uh, de Blasio come along, right? Like, and de Blasio only first came in when Trump was still living in New York City and Trump was running for president. And the uh, and it wasn't until now that you really see the long-term effects of the socialist policies of Bill de Blasio, Big Bird, really come into, uh, come into effect now. And now New York's paying the price, right? Like, I mean, go to New York City now, it feels a lot different 
than New York City did in 2014, 2015, 2016, when I spent a lot of time there, and I know you spent a lot of time there too, Stephen, uh, in the lead up to the 2016 election, because that's where President Trump was based. And President Trump has not lived in New York City since he was elected president, right? Like, so, you know, that was, uh, you know, what, eight years ago now? So uh, just about uh, seven and a half years ago. So President Trump's been gone. So we've now seen the long-term impacts of these leftist policies. Uh, But that, you don't get into that discussion until it like kind of comes up as a one-off in the middle of the interview. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, hang on for one Hang on one second. We need to take a little more of your time. Short commercial break. Matt Boyle's going to be on the other side. Make sure uh, you want to get jacked up in the morning. Warpath Coffee. Go to warpath.coffee slash warroom. The dark roast. We've taken the acid out of it. Check it out today. Tej Gill and the team of Navy SEALs over at Warpath. Back with Matt Boyle in a moment. Announce a huge holiday sale. Let me tell you why this is important. They're predicting another triple-demic this year, and the best way to fight a cold or flu is not to get it in the first place. That's why I got EnviroCleanse here in the war room in the Breitbart Embassy. The new science in home air purification is EnviroCleanse. The reason I love it, it was approved by the Department of Defense for use on Navy combatants. As you guys know, I used to be on a Navy combatants. Now they have a limited-time holiday sale. You'll save 30%. This is a one-time good deal. So why did I choose EnviroCleanse over all the others? Because EnviroCleanse is proven to capture and destroy cold and flu viruses over other purifiers. EnviroCleanse military-grade technology wipes out bacteria, toxins, and mold that can make you sick. This is why the Navy chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. Get EnviroCleanse for your home. The viruses will take care. The viruses take down your family will be gone. Right now, you'll save 30% during their holiday sale. Plus, you get fast, free shipping. I'll repeat that. Free shipping. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com. And use the code STEVE30 for 30% off. ekpure.com. STEVE30 for 30% off. That's ekpure.com. Code STEVE30. ekpure.com. Take action. Use your agency. Make sure you get ahead of this before flu season hits. Do it today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bath. Uh, Matt, uh, we can get you every day on Breitbart. Where do people go to get your writings every day? Where do they go for that? Uh, yeah, just Breitbart.com. So, uh, or I'm also on True Social, so at Real Matt Boyle. I don't do the Twitter or the other social media, but uh, True Social is at Real Matt Boyle. Oh, they can do, do I remember you not doing Twitter? We don't have time. <laughs> we'll get you back on another time. We'll talk about the to talk about the Mad Boy took it taking a taking a break. It turned out to be a decade, but taking a break on Twitter. Matt, um, also the radio show. When is your? Uh, we did the start the radio show at on Sunday nights. Bowls uh, people got to remember. Bowl was on every week uh, with the uh, with the Dave Brat uh, beating Cantor when nobody knew Dave Brat on Sunday nights on Breitbart. Then we got the Saturday show. Where you host the Saturday. The Saturday show. Now, where do they go? Uh, yeah, it's Saturday mornings on Sirius XM 125, the Patriot Channel. It's Breitbart News Saturday. It's 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time. So they can tune in there uh, on Sirius XM. 
perfect. Uh, Matt, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I will. Um, you know you're beloved by the MAGA movement and by the deplorables uh, across the country and actually throughout the world. People read you every word. People are always reaching out to me about what Boyle said, what Boyle's reporting is. Uh, there's a movement uh, a couple of months ago to draft you to run actually for the uh, Congress that people have told me they need fighters, they need smart fighters, and you're the perfect kind of guy to get in there. Where do we, where do we stand on that? Where? Well, first off, there, there were a lot of people asking me to do it. Uh, I know you were out there asking me to do it. Uh, there were many people here throughout Northeast Florida in the 5th District that were asking me to do it. Uh, I've decided that I'm not going to this year. Uh, the reason being is that we have a heck of a presidential election in front of us, and uh, the, there are very few people around the media that are willing to tell the truth. Uh, and President Trump is going to need as many of us that are willing to uh, out here fighting that fight on a daily basis. That doesn't mean that I'm uh, first off, I've met a lot of great people throughout the district. And there is a great candidate running already. Uh, her name is Mara Macy. She's been fighting back her and her husband, uh, uh, who's in the um, uh, in the military uh, here. They've been fighting back against the vax mandates. They've been like the tip of the spear on that stuff. And um uh, she's she's fantastic. She ran last time, uh, but she had gotten in the race pretty late and uh, so didn't come up uh, on top. But I think that uh, people should watch her very closely. Um, but I've decided I'm not going to do it this time. Uh, that doesn't mean I won't do it possibly down the road. We'll see. But for now, I, I, I think I'm needed where I'm at in uh, the uh, the movement needs me focused on telling the truth uh, and helping lead our young reporters here at Breitbart heading into this uh, critical election. You know, that decision was also, you know, people, there were certain people, I'll leave their names unmentioned, that really wanted you to come into the White House on Trump's first term, but it was determined that you, given the lack of really reporting we had that understood the MAGA movement, that you were much more important on the outside. If President Trump asked you, after his victory in November to join him in the White House, uh, would you be open to that? I, I, again, I would be open to anything like that. I don't know. I haven't had any conversation with President Trump about joining his team. Uh, but uh, if he ever did, I, you know, certainly I would consider it. I would do anything I could to help the cause. So wherever I'm best uh, uh, able to help uh, the regular guy, again, that's my, my whole thing. I want to help the regular guy have a voice in the room. So if that's where the best outcome for that is, then, then I would be open to it, sure. Uh, you broke a big story this morning. I think this is exclusive. Tell us about this. This is another endorsement. In fact, Penny Nance, as soon as we free her up, she's going to join us in a second from Concerned Women for America about her endorsement. Uh, the gov new governor of Louisiana, endorsement for tr President Trump, pretty big deal, right? Yes. Yeah, so Jeff Landry, the newly inaugurated governor of Louisiana, has endorsed President Trump in 2024. Obviously, the Iowa caucuses are just days away on Monday. So this is another yet another huge endorsement uh, for President Trump. And it's it maybe one of the biggest that he's had at the beginning of this year uh, because Jeff Landry is fresh off a historic shocker victory in Louisiana last year. Everybody knew Landry was going to win the governor's race. But the fact that he did it without a runoff uh, really shocked the political world. I think the left 
uh, really kicked into high gear in places like Kentucky uh, and Virginia after they were shocked by Landry's victory uh, in October because uh, everybody knew Landry was kind of going to eventually win, but they thought they were going to get their Democrat into the runoff and whatever. Uh, the, the Landry won the jungle primary night, right? Like he shocked everybody. And so um, extremely popular uh, new governor of Louisiana and a huge endorsement for President Trump. Uh, Matt, give us your assessment of last night of the town hall and the debate and your assessment of uh, of where this thing stands going into to Iowa and particularly now with uh, Chris Christie thrown in the towel. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm shocked Christie lasted as long as he did in the race. I guess the field thinned a little bit last night uh, with Christie's exit uh, out of the uh, out of the race. Uh, but the uh, last night's uh, CNN debate, quote unquote, I mean, I didn't even treat it like it was a debate. Uh, you know, I'll run all of our debate coverage at Breitbart. We didn't bring on the full-on team for this. Uh, we're going to save that for the Iowa caucus night on Monday night, just because it's kind of the JV team. And look, the only substantive thing I saw come out of the debate, and I was kind of flipping back and forth between the debate and the Trump town hall on Fox News, is that um, uh, the, the, out of the debate between Haley and DeSantis was they were both you know, to varying degrees, talking about wanting to raise the retirement age and cut Social Security and Medicare, whereas Trump over on Fox was saying he's never going to touch that stuff. And frankly, the fact that these establishment Republicans, the Paul Ryan's of the world and the, the you know, this is the, the Rupert Murdoch's, all these types of people that what they want to do by going after the Social Security Medicare programs versus Trump wanting to protect those programs is a huge part of the reason why Trump is so popular among Republicans. Look, people paid into these their whole lives, right? Like they took our paychecks, right? Like go pull up your paycheck, right? Like and go look at the, the withdrawals that they take out. The government takes out money, every paycheck for Social Security and Medicare withholdings, right? That's a promise that the federal government made to you, the American worker, uh, that needs to be there at the end when you are ready to retire. And the fact that they keep trying to move the goalposts, these DeSantis's and Haley's and Paul Ryan's and Mitch McConnell's and all these people want to move the goalposts on that is a huge part of the working class rejection of the old guard establishment Republicans and a huge part of the reason why people are moving to new Republicans like President Trump, uh, people like Senator J.D. Vance in Ohio and, and um, you know, these... Uh, uh, you know, up and coming great candidates we're seeing around the country. Uh, the party is changing in, in in a good way, but a reason why they're leaving these failed Republicans in the past is a huge part of that is the the so called entitlement reform that you see these people push, and then also war. War is another major issue. And again, all you really kind of heard from the Nikki Haley's and Ron DeSantis's of the world last night was that they were looking for more ways to get us into war, whereas President Trump was on TV last night saying that he's going to keep us out of the wars. And he was talking about how he was the first president in modern history to not start a new one, right? Like, so the uh, war and uh, these promises that the federal government made to people are a huge part of the reason why. And you don't hear people talk about it, right? Like, you hear people talk a lot about immigration and trade. That gets a lot of the focus, and, and rightfully so, don't get me wrong. But those are other issues are major reasons why. And I that was kind of the takeaway of both of those events last night. Uh, are you uh, concerned that Nikki Haley is going to be the repository of, uh, of the, uh, of the donor class, 
uh, to uh, to at least continue on. She's raising a lot of money even at the end of the month after New Hampshire. Are you concerned about that? Uh, look, I mean, the, what how it all comes down is how President Trump does in the margins, right? I'm fully confident that President Trump is going to win both Iowa and New Hampshire. The question is, is by how much, right? Like, and if he wins by huge amounts on both of those races, it's going to be hard for anyone to really genuinely consider continue their campaigns beyond New Hampshire. Um, the the question is, uh, you know, and certainly not beyond South Carolina later. I mean, it could end all right there. Um, the donor class establishment old guard Republicans, those people we're talking about, they want her. They view her as a vehicle uh, to try to continue uh, to uh, uh, and they want to extract his. I don't even think they think they're going to beat Trump at this point. Right. What they want to do is they want to extract as much as they can out of Trump when he's the Republican nominee for president. So they think that Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. What they want to do is they want to get as much as they can out of him on his way to the general election. Uh, so, with, you know, whether that's a running mate, whether that's, uh, you know, top surrogate placement, whether that's promises to, to, to the globalists that he won't touch this thing or that thing uh, if he wins the White House back, uh, which I fully expect him to do, by the way. I think he, that he is uh, way ahead of Joe Biden right now. And when he's the Republican nominee, I think that the this is way bigger than 2016, what's happening right now, uh, entering 2024. Uh, but the fact is, is that what this is about is about a power struggle, right? Like they want to extract as much as they can out of Trump on his way back to the White House uh, versus uh, and that's the story, the way to look at this story. Right. So Nikki Haley is a vessel to do that. She's running against him for that entire purpose. So if they can try to trip Trump up and maybe she stays in the race through Super Tuesday or in the next week after that. Uh, you know, then the longer she, you know, they get to stay in and the longer it takes for Trump to wrap it up, the more they think they can get out of him later. And so that's the question is, is can Trump wrap it up quick? Uh, then Trump owes nobody nothing. And Trump owing nobody nothing means he's a very dangerous man for the globalists. Uh, brilliant analysis, as always. Matt Boyle, uh, national political editor for Breitbart. Matt, social media, where do people get you? The radio shows 10 a.m. on uh, on um, Sirius XM Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays, and you go to Breitbart.com and get all Matt's writing. We're, what's on, we're on social media, Matt. On True Social, it's at Real Matt Boyle on True Social, and then again Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. to 1 fi- p.m. Yeah, keep keep fighting, brother! Incredible, incredible yeah. series. We're going to put them all up. Make sure everybody gets them, uh, and I hope the president sits down with you shortly again. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Incredible. That's real reporting right there from uh, one of the toughest, smartest guys in this business. Uh, let's go to Penny Nance, Concerned Women for America. Uh, Penny, give me your assessment of Iowa. I think you're you're endorsing the president. G- give me your assessment of his town hall last night and uh, in the run up to uh, the Iowa caucus, ma'am. I think the president did a good job, and uh, he, I think, spoke into the life issue in the way that people understood it. He was very clear. Um, where we are on a federal level is different than where we are on a state level. And Concerned Women for America has been on the very forefront of fighting for life. And we were very grateful. I was very grateful to stand with President Trump on the stage at the March for Life. He was the first president ever to be willing to walk just down the street and be with hundreds of thousands of pro-life Americans on cold and windy January day. Um, and then, of course, he gave us 270 uh, con- constitutionalist judges. 
and three Supreme Court justices, which did, as he pointed out, they terminated Roe v. Wade and gave us a completely different ability to advocate for life and to bring people with us. And uh, over half the states now have come toward our side on this issue. Some have gone further left, but we're going to continue to work on that. And now we really can. The other thing, Steve, that I, you may not even be aware of is that President Trump was the first candidate to sign the CWA pledge to American women, stating very clearly that there's only two genders, only women can have babies. Um, he actually laughed when he read that line. He's like, I can't believe I have to sign a pledge that actually says this. But also vowing to stand with women in policy and law. You can see him, right? Is standing with American women in policy and law in the unique dignity of women, including women's sports. Uh, we have a whole group of Young Women for America leaders that are down in Phoenix yep. right now, today, advocating to Charlie Baker and NCAA. Yep. Uh, Penny, can you hang on for one second? We'll take a short break. Penny Nance joins us on the other side. Question, who protects the troops who protect us? Well, we will. Imagine you're serving halfway around the world and you learn the title to your home, that legal document that proves it's actually yours has been forged and it's not in your name anymore. But we can't let that happen and we won't let it happen. Home title theft is a clear and present danger for all homeowners. And that's why I trust Home Title Lock. And now Home Title Lock is protecting those who protect us and giving back. For every subscription you purchase from Home Title Lock, they'll donate one year of free service to a military family in your name. Our troops deserve the peace of mind in knowing that while they protect us, Home Title Lock protects their most valuable asset. We all need to protect the title to our homes. I'll share updates, but for now, please join me. Protect your home's title at HomeTitleLock.com slash Bannon and use promo code Bannon. And when you do, they'll protect the home of a service member in your name. That's HomeTitleLock.com slash Bannon, code Bannon. HomeTitleLock.com slash Bannon, code Bannon. Do this for the troops. Do it today. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, Penny Nance joins us from Concerned Women of America, one of the most prominent voices in this movement. Penny, in 16, one of the critical reasons, one of the reasons we won is the life movement came together and support President Trump and had massive turnout, 2020 also, in his second victory. Um, but the game's changed after Dobbs. The left thinks that this is the weakest part that we have, and they're coming full force to bring the Taylor Swift crowd with them. I think one of the biggest concerns people have is, is the leadership in the life movement coming together to make sure that we have an angle of attack on this? President Trump, I think, is doing a, a, a great job. But the question is, at, at the Penny Nance level and the leadership here, is it coming together in one organized effort, ma'am? Listen, you're right. Life is a winning issue. The day that Donald Trump got on stage and took on um, Hillary Clinton and told her he was not in favor of ripping a baby out of its mother's womb. He set the stage and people understood that he understood what was happening. You have the consultant class that says, don't talk about it, run away from it. The truth is when you do what the president did, you win. 
And Republicans have been hiding behind, I don't know, their their mother's skirt tails on this issue. We need to make sure that the American people understand what abortion really is and what it looks like. They need to understand um, fetal development. They don't have a basic understanding. But the truth is, when you teach them, when you tell them at 15 weeks that a little baby has all of her major organs, eyebrows and fingernails, can hear and respond to her mother's voice and feels pain, everybody's mind changes. In fact, the majority of the American people are with us on the issue of abortion when you at least speak to them at just a a limit at some level, 15 weeks. So that's where we have, I think, the most ability to get something over the um, finish line right now, but we can do better certainly and have done better in many states. And so it is our job as the pro-life movement to continue to work, to continue to advocate and educate. And it is absolutely a winning issue. And we at Concerned Women for America will never let up until every baby is protected. Penny, where do people get you on social media? Where do they get you? Uh, We're going to have you on the run-up to uh, the uh, March for Life next week. But where do people get you in the interim? Where do they get you on social media? What website they go to? We're on Truth. We're on um, Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And I am as well, um, at PYNance. So we'd love, and at Concerned Women for uh, Instagram, and then CW4A on Twitter, and also on Truth. So we would love to everyone to follow you, and I can't wait to be back with you, Steve. Thank you for your great work. No, uh, you're you're one of the leaders and one of the fire breathers in this, and uh, we appreciate you being the tip of the spear, ma'am. Penny Nance endorses personally endorses President Trump for president. She's one of the leaders of pulling together the leadership of the Right to Life movement, who are some of the most powerful, dedicated people in our movement. To yeah. make sure that they're on point, because hey, the left is coming on this one right now. They think they got, they think they got us on the run, and they don't. Penny Nance, thank you. Thank you. Um, Jim Rickards was on the show the other day. We did an hour with him. Uh, I've got the interview up. We're going to break it down even more so people can enjoy it more. Uh, make sure you go to uh, uh, Paradigm Press Strategic Intelligence. This is a newsletter that everybody ought to consider getting. If you liked what Jim had to say the other day on geopolitics and economics, I think one of the most important things he said is you can't understand modern politics until you understand the economics and back of it. That's one of the watchwords of the show. We absolutely believe it. Strategic Intelligence is his newsletter. That's a primary newsletter. So go to Paradigm Press today and check it out. We'll put uh, all, the, uh, all the information on how you get there. And immerse yourself in information. Mike Lindell, uh, brother, uh, tell me what's going on. I think we're looking good in uh, Iowa. I thought President Trump's town hall was great last night. Of course, the debates between, the, you know, DeSantis and Nikki, who cares? Um, right. Give me uh, – the audience wants to know they love these massive discounts you're giving us. They love the fact of access to special deals, free shipping, all of it. Where do we stand, brother? Well, I will say this. Uh, this afternoon, Steve, when I come on your show, you're going to get some of the most shocking news you've ever heard. I don't want to say it now uh, because I haven't ran it by you, Steve, but this is, uh, you, you're not going to want to miss the show this afternoon. This will probably be the, uh, one of the top stories in the country. Um, but for now, right, you guys, the, all your support, we need it now more than ever. Um, uh, you guys, the War Room Posse, you guys have helped us so much. We're gonna we're we're gonna run that Christmas special with the flannel sheets. We have them left. That's the War Room sheets. We're calling them the War Room sheets. Uh, Twenty nine ninety eight promo code War Room. 
uh, the uh, as, and uh, as low as twenty nine ninety eight, depending on your size, and um, and then we have uh, everything ships for free. Your entire order ships for free. There they are, all the sizes, all the colors. I have uh, I have uh, I slept on them last night. They're the best sheets, flannel sheets you will ever use. And uh, uh, 800-873-1062. My operators love talking to you. Remember, they're all directly employed by me. There, I absolutely uh. Love the War Room Posse. Your hoarder ships for free. And there we go. We we have the War Room special on the $29.98 MyPillow 2.0. $5 more. You get the king size. The lowest price in history for the War Room Posse. The best sheets ever. As low as $24.98. Now, that's your, that's your um, uh, Percale sheets. We have the Giza Dream sheets. But those flannel sheets you guys got to get. And then you have the beds and the MyPillow mattress toppers. These products are made in the USA. It supports all of my workers out there, but it gets you the best sleep ever. Take advantage of that free shipping. I'm still giving out. We're covering the shipping. Those are high. Come right to your door in a box. These matches, the, the best okay. mattresses you, you will ever okay. use. Remember, we have a 60-day okay. money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty, Steve, on everything. Okay, we've sold in total eighty-two million. Am I correct? Eighty-two million my pillows, pillows. Yep, lumpy pillows. We sold eighty-two million. Okay, two and a half million. Unbelievable! It, amazing. Our, our, our target, our target, our target is a hundred million. Uh, I want everybody to go to the site mypillow.com, promo code warm. You get the my pillow two point oh. Check it out. Remember, Mike Lindell's got free shipping and all this. Mike, we got to bounce. Look forward to having you back on this afternoon. Keep fighting, brother. I'll give you a call after the show. Mike Lindell, 873-873-1062. Tell those operators we're not going to let the IRS shut them down. Holy War takes us out. Charlie Kirk is next. Jack Vasovic after that. We're back 5 to 7. We'll be live in Iowa in the 5 o'clock hour. And I will be here with about 30 guests at 6 o'clock, including live in Taiwan. See you back here 5 to 7 in the world. I want to warn you of a huge change that could be coming to our money and our bank accounts. First, think back to 9-11, shortly after the government pushed through the Patriot Act. This gave the government power to spy on innocent Americans by monitoring our phone and email and tracking our movement across the Internet. Now, Jim Rickards, editor of the independent financial newsletter Strategic Intelligence and New York Times bestselling author, is warning about a coming event that could elevate this governmental surveillance to a terrifying new level. In fact, some of the guests I've had on The War Room believe that the government will soon expand their powers to track our every move. If we say the wrong things on social media, donate to the wrong causes, buy firearms, or even vote MAGA, the government may be able to shut us out of our bank accounts. I can't say for sure if this will happen, but it's an interesting in dire warning. Fortunately, Jim Rickards, an American patriot and friend of mine, has made it his mission to educate us on what he believes is coming and how to protect yourself from the possibility of programmable money. Watch Jim's warning video now before it's censored like I've been in the past. Go to RickardsWarRoom.com. That's RickardsWarRoom.com now to see the video. 100,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer. Every year, year in and year out, heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. 
A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out.